welcome to um, our podcast, Pathways to Germany. My name is Brian Treneman. I am the director of the DAD Information Center here in uh, Malaysia. And with me, like last week, is our senior consultant, Idzide Idrus. It's how are you today? I'm doing well, uh, Brian. How are you doing? Not too bad, yeah. Um, it's been a busy week, but uh, I think we are both coping quite well. Um, the usual, I'd say, I'm also a little bit occupied with uh, a couple of tasks from my university here in Malaysia, University of Malaya, where I'm also uh, teaching. But everything is uh, going smooth so far, I'd say. How about yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty good work for us uh, this week, I think. Uh, looking forward towards the weekend, of course. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. So you gave it away that uh, we are recording on a Friday. Oh, okay. No, right. that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We have got nothing to hide here. Um, so um, let, let's start with introducing each other. So uh, you um, are an alumnus uh, and you studied at the University of Applied Sciences in Offenburg. I know this by now. And you um, studied uh, process and environmental engineering there. And uh, I think today we're going to uh, also um, uh, shed a little bit of light uh, in, um, at what a University of Applied Sciences is exactly. Um, and we are both uh, representatives of the DAAD. Um, it's walk us through, what is the DAAD? All right, so the DAAD, if you say it in German, is actually the Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst, uh, which sounds like a German tongue twister. But if you were to translate that one into English, it becomes a lot easier, and it is the German Academic Exchange Service. So our job is to promote uh, higher education in Germany and hopefully you know, to encourage uh, more international students to go off to Germany to study there and eventually even to work there. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Um, and uh, maybe uh, just to add a little bit uh, here, um, we are promoting um, study in Germany, that's absolutely correct, but as well um, as uh, research in Germany. So we're not only reaching out for, for students who are interested uh, to um, do their undergraduate studies or master, but also to um, researchers, young um, scientists, established, established researchers, as well as uh, faculties um, and universities um, who uh, might be interested actually to collaborate with the uh, German universities. And um, to add a little bit more information, um, the annual budget of the DAD in 2019 was almost um, 600 million euros, uh, 594 million euros to be uh, precise here. Um, and this money is used to, um, to foster the mobility of uh, students and, and researchers, as well as to bring um, universities and faculties and researchers around the world um, together um, and partner them with uh, German uh, universities and faculties and so forth. Um, and uh, we would also like to um, uh, maybe start our podcast today with the question why you should listen to us. Uh, what do you say? It's why should anyone listen to our podcast? That's a very good question, Brian. Uh, I think we both have very, very sexy voices, so that might be one of the reasons. Oh, you nailed it, I'd say. <laughs> uh, actually, I think, um, honestly speaking, we both have tremendous experience in the uh, education field. And with my experience of studying in Germany and also living there, 
couple that with your experiences here in Malaysia, I think we make a very compelling argument as to why Malaysians should go off to uh, Germany and study. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, the, these are valid um, arguments. And um, so if you're considering um, to study in Germany or to do research in Germany, I think this podcast is very suitable for you. But um, also for those who might be considering um, pursuing a professional career in Germany, living in Germany, um, I'm very sure we have a couple of things actually that we can share and um, to bring you the German culture um, a little bit closer and explaining maybe also um, um, our odd German behavior. For instance, if you're if you're working for a German company here in, in Malaysia um, or if you have uh, German business partners uh, and sometimes you just can't make sense of uh, how strangely react or respond, uh, then maybe uh, we can provide a couple of, uh, of answers to, to these questions here oh, yes. in our podcast. Especially when it comes to German handshakes. Oh, yes. Actually, you mentioned something already that I also jotted down as, as one of the points uh, in, in one of the rubrics. Um, speaking of rubrics, uh, um, this gives me a, now the opportunity to... Um, uh, um, speak a little bit about the, uh, the structure of uh, our podcast. So um, we will start uh, our podcast uh, usually with uh, my personal experience uh, where I will ask you it's uh, uh, what you experience as uh, living in Germany as a student. Um, and today uh, I will ask you a little bit about uh, German life hacks that you experience over there. Then we will go into our main uh, topic and today um, we will... Uh, Ask the question of uh, uh, no, no. We will ask the question: uh, What are good um, reasons uh, to study in Germany? What are compelling arguments uh, to choose Germany as your destination um, for your studies or for your research? And uh, the last category that uh, we will dive into is our, our um, uh, rubric. Fun Facts um, Germany, where we will ask each other questions about Germany and uh, we'll find out actually who knows more about uh, this country and uh, must not ne necessarily be me. Uh, last week uh, you asked me about football and I thought uh, the biggest enemy for, for the German uh, um, national team uh, uh, was uh, England, but then you corrected me and uh, righteously so that the Netherlands are the biggest competitors for the German national team. Oh yes, it's a fierce uh, rivalry going on there. It is, absolutely. Okay, let's dive right into it and um, it's... You went to Germany, um, you studied there, and um, I'm very sure um, getting used to the German culture, culture you um, uh, also um, experience a couple of life hacks that the Germans um, have uh, that you were not familiar with and uh, that you maybe after your studies there, coming back to Malaysia, then um, made it your own habit and maybe also would like uh, Malaysians, uh, you would like to see Malaysians adopt this uh, kind of, of life hacks. Is there anything uh, you can, uh, can share with us? Uh, definitely. Uh, I think uh, one of the first things that I learned about Germany, um, so I am actually, as you stated before, I come from an engineering background. And one of the most important things that any student learns is how to open a glass bottle. Uh, so, of course, in Germany, most of, them, most of the time it's going to be beer. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just assume it's root beer. <laughs> Uh, keep it halal, yes. <laughs> and, uh, so what you actually do is you take a lighter, so the type to light up a cigarette, and then you 
just press it against the bottle and through uh, mechanics, you just flip it open. Mm, that's a fantastic uh, life hack. And this is something that uh, all the Germans uh, know how to do? Oh yeah, if you fail at that one, they'll just make fun of you. Okay. Uh, and you're going to fail the first few times and you're going to look really stupid doing it. Uh, but then they're going to explain it using physics and everything and uh, you get used to it. Okay. <laughs> and you're still using it here in Malaysia? Uh, only when I want to show off. Oh, of course, of course. Yes. Uh, I also, there's also a little uh, trick actually that, that I uh, like to do with uh, the lid of, of um, a beer bottle. Uh, is actually you can flip it also with your finger and quite far uh, and it flies like a frisbee. I don't know whether you've, oh. you've seen that one. Uh, no, oh, I can, I can <laughs> like share this. See that one day, Brian. <laughs> oh, I can share this trick with you later on, for sure. Okay, um, my life hack um, here from from Malaysia is, um, uh, of course, I, I was uh, before coming here. I was already familiar with um, Asian um, culture and traditions uh, because I've been also living in in Korea for a short period of time. Um, but uh, definitely, uh, one thing that I appreciate is that when you enter a house, you take off your shoes at the entrance, which is. Uh, absolutely not standard and normal in, in Germany and uh, but I really would like to see this implemented in, in the German culture because um, uh, it really makes uh, cleaning your house much more convenient and uh, it's uh, I, I don't really, I know a little bit actually why it's not German culture because we, um, due to the weather, also uh, wear boots very often. Uh, you need to have proper um, shoes um, in order to, to uh, keep warm. And um, it's quite hassle to, to take off your shoes if you just visit someone for maybe half an hour or something like this and then go on with your with your day. And that will be quite hassle Very often here in, in Malaysia, of course, you're just wearing flip-flops or any, any kind of uh, <laughs> light shoes that you can uh, take off quite easily and put on again. Um, so definitely taking off shoes at the entrance, uh, something I would like to see in, in the German culture. Would you have another life hack for us from Germany? Uh, speaking of boots, yes, mm -hmm. I do actually, uh, especially during wintertime. So the moment it gets slightly colder in Germany, let's say around uh, zero degrees or once it dips down to into the negative degrees, um, what I used to do in Germany is I wore three pairs of socks. Uh, and then you also wear your lange Strumpfhose, which are your long johns. Mm -hmm. So inside the long johns, then you have an additional pair of underwear. <laughs> and then on the top, it's uh, I used to wear like two undershirts and then finally a sweater. Uh, so yeah, make sure that you wear, you know, you just want to build it up like an onion. So just like Shrek's is, you know, Make sure you, you're like an onion and put on several different layers and you'll stay warm during winter. Okay. And this is a life hack that you also brought back to Malaysia because uh, um, I, I think this is uh, something uh, quite uh, suitable for if you go to, to the movies eventually again after the COVID <laughs> uh, um, pandemic is going to be over. Uh, because uh, I, in my personal experience, uh, the movie theaters are the coldest place in the entire of Malaysia. I don't know uh, how about you, but... Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. I think I don't know why they do it. Uh, but yeah, I normally also bring in a blanket and a sweater with me. Yeah, it's it's not really fun watching maybe the entire um, sequel of, of Star Wars in a row for, for seven or more hours. Uh, and then <laughs> I think uh, you have a proper new mini afterwards. Uh, after, after this experience, yeah, okay. Um, my second life hack actually would be um, what I really enjoy here in, in Asia and uh, what I um, 
never liked too much about the, the German culture is um, um, not shaking hands, just taking a bow, bow and uh, for instance, uh, the, the Malay culture in particular, uh, just um, putting your, your hand uh, on your heart to, I, I suppose this uh, also supposed to express uh, your sincerity and your uh, openness and that you're touched uh, um, at the heart by, by um, uh, the encounter of another person. I think that's something very, very beautiful. And I don't really see the, the sense of, of shaking hands, especially nowadays, actually, yes. when, it, <laughs> when it's clearly um, uh, proven that uh, shaking hands is not too hygienic and can even cause uh, the spreading of, of an entire pandemic. Yeah, I think we can see that nowadays. Um, but it's always a bit odd, is it? isn't it, for you, Brian? I mean, when you came here, some women, they do actually shake hands, and some of them, they completely avoid it, and they take a step back. Mm. And sometimes you just don't know, okay, what's what I do in this instance? Yes. So, so usually uh, my strategy is um, to just pause a little bit and see um, and let uh, the lady take the first step. And, uh, yeah, in academia, if... Um, 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 a, a woman has been um, educated abroad, then uh, she sometimes is actually also in the position that she, she wants to shake hands um, to also uh, showing appreciation of uh, of the European culture. And then, of course, so I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, did you experience actually that you had to um, adapt or um, develop um, uh, um, a handshake? Because this is also considered in Germany to be um, part of your business card, so to say, the way how you shake hands. Yeah, you need a very solid grip mm. in Germany. Um, it's completely opposite here in Malaysia, where when you give a salam, you know, it's just like two hands pressed against each other. They just slide against one another and then they pull back. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Germany, a proper German or European handshake is uh, you have to grip it really hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. I think it might be just to establish dominance. It might yes. be. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm yeah. absolutely sure this is uh, what it's all about. So. Um, I, I would say um, predominantly uh, the males, they, uh, they like to utilize uh, the handshake uh, to show their, their strength and uh, vitality and also their, their dominance. Um, and uh, you have to be prepared actually to respond very, very fast and, and also grip it as, as hard as possible. So yeah. I had a colleague at one university who was uh, trying to break your hand actually um, <laughs> to, to show actually how, how strong and how vital he was. And uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I really didn't like it too much. Mm. Well, there was one time back in Germany, I went off for this uh, course somewhere for my work back there. Mm -hmm. And the other person, the German person that I met, he had actually done an intercultural course about Asia. So he was going in for a soft handshake. And I thought, okay, well, here comes a German guy. I got to give him a hard handshake. So in that instant, the roles were reversed. And you could see the look in his eyes when he actually felt the pain going through his hands. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Sometimes we try our very best, actually, to um, to accommodate um, the, the culture or the feelings of, of uh, the other culture. And then, uh, yeah, we reverse roles. That's absolutely true. And get a little bit confused, actually. Um, I also experienced, um, after I stayed here in Malaysia for a couple of years and then went back to, to Germany, um, in, in a couple of incidences, um, how much I became uh, an Asian or Malaysian in the meantime. Uh, for
for instance. Um, that is absolutely normal um, to uh, exchange um, uh, your handphone numbers also uh, with your colleagues um, and uh, also with your subordinates. Um, and so I also wanted to do this with my team in, in Germany and they, they were quite confused and said, no, we're not giving you my, uh, our handphone numbers. Um, we have our office numbers if you want to speak with us. So there's a clear <laughs> distinction in, in, in Germany between uh, and, and a very strong uh, borderline between um, uh, your job, your profession and your spare time. And once you're done with your job and uh, you go home, you can never be bothered by uh, your superior, by your boss anymore. And I think that's... Yeah. That's not normal here in Malaysia, is it? He can, or he uh, or she can call you anytime, uh, any day, uh, no matter what. Well, Brian, how many years have you were you actually living in Malaysia before you went back to Germany? I lived uh, almost eight years, seven and a half years in in Malaysia. Um, so from uh, 2006, I came here for the first time, and uh, in uh, 2014, I went back to. Uh, um, to uh, Germany to work at a university of applied sciences in, in Karlsruhe. So you practically are Malaysian then? By now, I, I would say so. Even though my Bahas Malayu is not uh, on the level where I would like to see it, uh, to really call myself uh, um, a Malaysian. But in terms of food, I'm, I'm quite, I have quite arrived in this culture, I'd say. And also okay. uh, concerning... I just want to mm -hmm. go off a bit here. Uh, I... You know, every time there's a food laid out at like a function or something, you're very good at this. What do you? What do the people normally say when they invite you to go eat? Ah, the first question you is, can can you stand spicy food? Do you do you uh, accept spicy food? And so yes, I. Uh, no, no, I mean uh, in, in Malay, there's a special phrase which you love. Oh, saying. oh, okay. Uh, so, so you're referring to um, whether, when they ask me sudamakan or. Uh, something like what Deepasilakan. Oh, oh yes, I love to say Deepasilakan actually. Uh, um, <laughs> in in various situations actually, also uh, to encourage my students to come on, let's let's uh, get going now, um, just to pick up uh, uh, the pace a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go to to our first topic of the day, um, to our main topic of the day, um, which is uh, trying to figure out whether there are good arguments uh, uh, for um, pursuing a degree in Germany. Why to study um, in Germany? And um, I think the most compelling argument would be actually uh, that you can find uh, top quality in the landscape of uh, tertiary education in um, in Germany, and. Um, um, an official statement is of um, of our website study in Germany that German universities offer excellent teaching and research ranking among the best in the world and um, upon um, completing your studies uh, you will um, earn an internationally renowned degree providing you excellent uh, prospects in the global labor market. And the question at the same time is, um, we discussed uh, last week, and if you haven't heard our podcast episode uh, of last week, uh, go, please go back. Um, we discussed that um, uh, there are no tuition fees in Germany. So tertiary education is basically for free, um, also for international students. Um, and the question that rises with um, uh, what I just mentioned, uh, the top quality of uh, the universities or the tertiary education uh, system in Germany is, how does it go along with uh, uh, no um, tuition fees? Um, how can you um, assure uh, top quality? And I think an answer to this, um, but this is my personal opinion, uh, maybe you can also chip in later on, uh, it's um, 
or my, my observation, uh, trying to uh, make sense uh, out of it, that um, Germans in general, they have an obsession with, uh, with quality. Uh, yes. It might be that uh, the whole nation of, of Germany is uh, obsessive compulsive uh, disordered. Uh, so we all suffering OCD, um, <laughs> continuously looking for flaws uh, anywhere um, in, in products uh, or in, in processes uh, to fix them immediately. Um, um, I don't know, what was your experience in this matter? Oh, it's very true. And I think it, it starts from a very young age with the Germans. They, they always want to keep things very clean. Uh, I think my, so I used to be married to a German and, uh, you know, I'm the type of person that, uh, if I leave dishes in the sink, I'll, you know, I'll wash it tomorrow morning. But with her, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> not an option. why are you leaving the dishes out? Don't you know, then that's going to attract like cockroaches and everything. And that's going to attract more things. So I think Germans are taught from a very young age, do things correctly the first time mm. uh, and do things as uh, perfect as possible. Mm. It's very similar to how the Japanese act, I mm. think. Yes, I think both countries are very obsessed with quality and perfectionism. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you can really see it, especially with the German uh, products that you buy. Mm. That's why the term made in Germany has, uh, is international. Everybody knows that if you buy a German product, you're guaranteed a certain level of quality. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And this, I think, also translates then um, to, um, to the universities um, where the professors um, are, uh, I'd say, entirely intrinsically motivated in their profession. And uh, one thing um, that is, uh, um, or a couple of things that, that are quite different from Malaysia, but this one in particular is um, uh, that uh, professors in, in Germany are the most autonomous entity in, in Germany, um, which means uh, that once they are um, assigned um, a professorship, uh, they can do whatever they like. And um, with this uh, preposition of um, loving quality, of course, professors will always uh, try um, to deliver the best um, teaching method and uh, to reach the highest levels uh, in terms of, um, of uh, their research. And um, the professors are assured in Germany um, um, an entire freedom of research and teaching. There are no KPIs, and I think this, this really needs to be stressed <laughs> at this point. Uh, this is something very bizarre for, for uh, Malaysians, I suppose, where you will have uh, KPIs uh, everywhere and also in, in academia, but that just doesn't exist in, in Germany. The professors, once they are appointed um, um, uh, professorship, a uh, professor chair, um, they can do whatever they like. Uh, of course, they could also... Um, 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 completely exploit the system and don't do anything, um, stop teaching and just uh, dedicating themselves entirely to their hobbies uh, if they'd like to and they couldn't be punished. Of course, there, there are, um, there are uh, restrictions to this kind of behavior and, and um, um, methods actually to, to keep them in line. But it, usually it doesn't happen because uh, the professors, are, of course, the selection process is, is quite... Um, uh, prolonged and um, uh, very meticulous to assure that this doesn't happen and uh, usually it also doesn't uh, happen. And I'd say this is also um, then the big advantage if you give a person ownership in, in their position, um, then eventually they, they will uh, try to fill it um, out as, as best as possible and uh, to um, also then continuously achieve mastery. 
because it's also their their name at risk, isn't it? If they don't exactly. uh, fulfill it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, and they're quite proud of the work that they do as well. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, definitely, definitely, it has got a lot uh, also to do with with reputation and also identity. I'd say so. Um, uh, you try as a professor to to be out there um, in in the world of research, and uh, you want to. Um, inspire your students and uh, try to contribute to making this world a little bit better in your um, particular area. And um, another um, indicator of uh, of the quality that we already uh, mentioned is uh, that uh, there was uh, an initiative by the federal government um, starting in 2007 um, where uh, a quite a substantial amount of, of money was um, allocated um, uh, to uh, universities who uh, prove themselves to be very strong in, in research. And we are currently in the second generation of this initiative, which is called um, the um, Excellence Strategy. It started in uh, 2018, and the federal government um, is now um, allocating um, half a billion um, euros every year uh, to, oh, wow. to this. And uh, 10 universities are selected uh, um, for this and one university consortium. Uh, The 10 universities are Hamburg, Heidelberg, Bonn, Konstanz, LMU, Munich, Tübingen, RWTH Aachen, TU Dresden, KIT in Karlsruhe and TU Munich. And um, I spoke with the uh, previous, quite interesting actually here, uh, with the previous um, director of the program management office at the uh, Ministry of Education here in Malaysia, who then afterwards became uh, the um, vice chancellor of uh, UITM. And um, in 2008 or 2009, I think he went to Germany to uh, to look into this um, um, excellence initiative, um, how it was called initially, um, and adopted it and brought it back here to Malaysia. And uh, this oh. is the reason why you, you have now five um, apex universities here in uh, in Malaysia. So it's an, another adoption of of the German um, um, of one of the uh, German cultures actually that you can see here yes. in, in Malaysia. Definitely. And the universities that you just listed, those are some of the top universities in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. They, they also do quite well, actually, in, in terms of international um, ranking. Um, maybe another difference also to, um, to here in Malaysia, where um, a QS, uh, the QS ranking um, is an important role, um, and which is also measured by the amount of publications, um, hence the saying um, here in, in Malaysia, publish or perish. Um, so uh, th- there's a very strong focus, I'd say, on on the quantity of uh, um, publications, um, uh, and the difference is once again in, in Germany everything is uh, um, pivoting around quality. So the yes. universities, the professors, are not asked to to publish as much as possible. Um, they just do it um, in their respective field if they feel so. And um, so some universities or some professors uh, just don't care too much about publications. They, they have another focus uh, and they do their research and are more concerned about the outcome of the research. But the publication is not something that is continuously requested um, by the universities. Okay. The second, um, do, uh, it's, do you have uh, another good argument for studying in, uh, in Germany? I'm taking a look at it. I think it's the diversity, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the range of courses 
offered at German universities is immense and gives you the opportunity to choose whichever area of study that you actually want to focus on. Mm -hmm. So a huge array of international programs and international and, and interdisciplinary degree programs mm -hmm. allow you to specialize. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do, do you have also a number uh, for um, this this diversity that uh, you just mentioned? So uh, many uh, study programs to choose from. Well, right now there's about I think if, if I'm not mistaken there's about twenty thousand twenty thousand six hundred mm -hmm. programs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's correct. Yeah, it's it's exactly uh, twenty thousand six hundred seventy five at the moment. Oh. But this 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 number is um, continuously fluctuating. Um, uh, usually, um, yeah, it has got the tendency to to grow more because uh, the universities try to uh, then also um, individually di diversify uh, their study programs um, and also to make it uh, more attractive and uh, to um, certain. Um, interests and also um, to stand out a little bit uh, compared to to other universities, because you need to bear in mind we have more than 400 uh, universities in in Germany, and um, in general um, the universities all offer the same um, study courses. So the question is, how do you stand out? So what is your unique selling point uh, on this uh, market? Even though um, this also needs to be mentioned right uh, at this point, 95% um, of the universities in Germany are. Um, public universities. So there's uh, no real competition, but there's uh, competition <laughs> in terms of, of contents that the universities yeah. try to attract the most talented uh, students, not uh, the, the most students who pay the most, but uh, the most talented students. So that's that's exactly. the competition to say. And I think also in Germany right now, there's something like uh, around 2000 international programs. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's so also correct. An mm -hmm. international program, uh, those are courses which are being conducted in English. Mm -hmm. And this is going from bachelor's all the way up to master's and even PhD programs being conducted in English. Mm -hmm. So they really are trying to attract as many international students as possible to go off to Germany and study. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely right. Um, and if you'd like to um, know more about these international programs, um, come to our website, DAAD minus uh, uh, Malaysia. Sorry, Malaysia. <laughs> we had this discussion in the beginning. Uh, whether it's uh, Malaysia or Malaysia, we shouldn't venture into this uh, topic now. It would take too much time, maybe on, on another episode. Um, so come to our website, DID minus uh, Malaysia, and um, there we will provide you with all the information also concerning uh, the international programs uh, with a link um, to um, a very good, um, well-organized and uh, easy to browse and uh, website in uh, um, set up by the the DAD in in Germany. Okay, with this we will come to um, our third segment um, next week. Um, in our next episode, we will dive further into uh, why to study in, in Germany. We have two parts uh, today. We um, covered the first two good uh, reasons: uh, top quality and uh, diversity. Um, and uh, next week we will. Um, find further good arguments why to study in Germany. And with this, we will come to our third um, segment, um, which is uh, fun facts about Germany. Okay, let's see. So in our rubric, uh, fun facts about Germany, um, I want to talk a little bit uh, today uh, about um, cities in Germany. Um, my first question to you is uh, Munich. Is it the second largest city in Germany? I would say yes. You would say yes. And you are absolutely wrong. 
Congratulations. Uh, so um, we all know that, that Berlin is uh, the largest um, city in Germany with uh, 3.7 million um, inhabitants, um, followed by Hamburg. Hamburg is the second largest city in Germany, uh, 1.9 million, and then followed by Munich, not too far off with 1.5 million people living in Munich. Okay, it's your turn. All right, so everybody knows, or hopefully they know, that the MP3 actually comes from Germany. Uh, now, music has greatly benefited from the MP3 because now the files are a lot smaller and they're all compressed a little bit. So, uh, Brian, so when was the MP3 invented? Was it in the 1970s, 1980s, or 1990s? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, gee. I should know this because it's also included in my presentation usually that I give to promote <laughs> study and research in Germany. I know that it's, uh, it was uh, developed by the Fraunhofer Institute, uh, but yeah. I, I can't really recall when exactly, but I guess it was in the 1980s. Yep, that's correct. Oh, 1980s, yeah. 1980s. When music was, I don't know, I wasn't, well, I wasn't alive in the 1980s. Uh, well, not the beginning bit, but I'm guessing music was completely different back then. Oh, yes, absolutely. And now I have to re reveal a little bit my age uh, because I was very much alive at that time. And um, <laughs> so I experienced firsthand this uh, tremendous uh, media revolution where all of a sudden you could choose between going to the store and buy a CD um, or um, even a record if you were a little bit old school. Um, or to just download it from, from the internet for free uh, at uh, <laughs> sharing platforms uh, like Napster at that time. Oh, yeah. So it was really the, the wild, wild west of the internet uh, at that time. I, think, I don't think that Fraunhofer intended uh, to, um, to promote uh, internet piracy, um, but uh, um, what they also actually initiated with, uh, with this invention is uh, that they also... Um, um, allowed um, uh, media or music um, uh, in particular uh, to be distributed over the internet, which then eventually also led to the uh, the whole shift from from hard copies to uh, entirely digital um, uh, media to be um, available on uh, on the internet. So, mm -hmm. quite an impact they had. Oh yes. Okay. Second question from my side. Berlin since we already uh, talked about uh, um, the big cities in, in Germany, Berlin has more bridges than Venice. True or false? More bridges than Venice. Okay. I think I've heard of this one. Mm -hmm. I, and I think it's true. You are absolutely correct. Okay, good. Oh, finally, <laughs> uh, one point for it. Okay. So um, Berlin has uh, a total of 2,100 bridges and 564 over rivers and canals. And um, of course, maybe if you're a little bit familiar with uh, Berlin, you know that uh, there are two uh, rivers going through the city, um, the Havel and uh, the Spree. And uh, in addition to this, there's another uh, river which I was not familiar with, which is called uh, Die Panke. That's uh, the name, Panke. And uh, we also have uh, two canals, uh, Landwehrkanal and uh, Teltokanal. Most likely people from Berlin will kill me now for my bad pronunciation of these names. Um, and Venice, in comparison to Berlin, has got, uh, has got only 435 bridges. So that's uh, uh, quite a significant number in, uh, in the difference between these two cities. But um, we need to bear in mind, actually, that Berlin is also quite big compared to, to Venice. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. 
you have a question for me? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of one right now, actually. <laughs> it's um, All right, so the electric drill. Mm-hmm. The electric drill was actually made in Australia. So it's uh, uh, that's where it was invented in uh, a long time ago. But then the first person to make it handheld uh, was a German person. So it was uh, Wilhelm Emil Fein of Ludwigsburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the question to you, Brian, once again, is going to be uh, when it was invented. So are we talking about 1755? Are we talking about... 1895, or are we talking about 1910? Mm. 1755, 1855? 1895. 1895, mm-hmm. or 1910? 1910. Um, I know that electricity was already um, uh, invented, actually, in, in the, uh, the, towards the end of the 18th century, so um, 1755 you mentioned, yeah? Could, could be a good answer, but I doubt that uh, with uh, the upcoming of the electricity, somebody says, and the first application that we need is drilling. <laughs> I think there were more urgent matters uh, combined to uh, link to electricity. Um, the second one uh, towards the end of uh, the 19th century, so 1895, you said, right? Yes. Uh, 1895. Uh, I think that would make sense because we're also talking about the beginning of the industrialization. So, um, yeah, I would go for 1895. You are correct, oh. yes. 1895. Mm-hmm. And so ever since then, you know, uh, life has become a lot easier, especially for men. You no mm-hmm. longer need to have really strong arms. All you need is that electric drill, and that's it. Yeah. To um, still drill uh, stupid holes in, in various directions and then uh, try uh, a second time, actually, next to it, uh, just to hit an electric wire in the wall and uh, to keep on making the stupid mistakes that we all do continuously when we pick up uh, a power drill, don't we? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, my last question for you. Um, Still um, concerned about uh, cities in Germany. Once again, Berlin. Berlin is six times bigger than Paris. What do you think? True or false? Berlin is six times bigger than Paris. That would be huge, though. And I know Paris is already quite big. Mm -hmm. I think that's false. What do you think? Is Berlin um, only... Is it bigger than Paris? Is it uh, only three times bigger, two times bigger? What do you think? I would say two times bigger than Paris. Two times bigger, twice the size of Paris. Let's see. You are absolutely wrong because (laughs) it's false. Um, Berlin actually is 8.5 times bigger than Paris. It's it's tremendous. It's really huge. Um, So when we compare the population, uh, we're talking about area, actually, that uh, the two cities are um, are covering. Uh, When we talk about population, uh, Berlin is, as mentioned before, 3.7 million um, inhabitants uh, big, while Paris um, is the home of 2.2 million people. And by area... Um, Berlin is covering 892 square kilometers, while Paris is only covering 105 square kilometers. So it's a hmm. huge, huge difference between uh, these these two cities. Quite impressive, isn't it? It's huge, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. The uh, population of Paris is only 2.2 million, whereas I think in Kuala Lumpur itself, 
I think it's also around two point something, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's around two point one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe that's also um, a difference in the culture because uh, in in Germany, um, uh, you won't find this many high rise buildings. Uh, also, not in in Berlin. Uh, the only exception is is East Berlin, where uh, the previous um, uh, um, socialist system of the GDR um, had to um, build uh, um, a lot of uh, housing for for the people, and so they established uh, an entire area of, of uh, high rise uh, buildings. Um, but uh, in general, in Germany, we we prefer um, to um, uh, refurbish and renovate our uh, houses. Um, and you can easily live in a house in, in one of the bigger cities uh, or also in rural areas which is 200, 300 years old and it's completely renovated yeah. and uh, uh, there's there's no issue to, to this. Um, and so we rather um, maintain and uh, sustain our um, uh, architecture that you would have in Germany um, rather than to tear it down and, and build um, any modern high-rise buildings. Exactly, which is, I think is a shame which is happening here in uh, Malaysia sometimes because you see some of these really uh, historic buildings uh, dating back to the colonial times mm -hmm. and they look beautiful here in KL. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually one row, um, I think it's near Pampas or something like that, mm -hmm. and the, the buildings are still pretty well maintained. Uh, they've just done up the inside and they've only refurbished and renovated the inside bits, but the facade and everything they've done up again. Mm -hmm. So they've managed to maintain it quite well, but it's a shame that uh, a lot of these really nice older buildings in Malaysia are being torn down and being replaced by uh, these gigantic skyscrapers. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when I compared it a little bit with um, uh, my experience from uh, um, uh, South Korea, it was uh, pretty much the same. So um, even though uh, Korea is also quite traditional in, in many aspects, but uh, when it comes to architecture or um, any kind of technology, they are um, welcoming it, everything uh, um, with wide open arms and, and want to move uh, forward as fast as possible. Maybe it's, uh, it's um, an indication of an emerging um, society and, and industry um, compared to uh, um, uh, like, like Germany as, as an industrialized nation where we want to take things a little bit slower uh, and mm. uh, try to um, to uh, keep things as they are hence also um, the conservative um, attitude of, of uh, the majority of, of the German people I'd say do you have another question for me uh, for for our um, rubric? Got one more question. Okay, fantastic. You, Brian. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, I think you and I both know that the Christmas tree comes from Germany. So the Tannenbaum, mm -hmm. that tradition, uh, comes from Germany. Uh, but does Germany also lay claim to Santa Claus? No, the old Saint Nick. no, it does not. It's an entire, <laughs> it's an entire uh, American made-up culture. Uh, nope. Yain. Yain. So Yain is yes and no, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so Finland actually lays claim to Santa Claus. Oh, okay, Finland, uh, Finland. But as we know him with the whole, you know, uh, jolly white beard and mm -hmm. the big belly and mm -hmm. the red uh, red uh, suit on, mm -hmm. that actually comes from Coca-Cola. Yeah, true, exactly. Um, yep. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> but, yes. Yeah, so Santa Claus belongs to Finland, mm -hmm. but the Christmas tree belongs to Germany. Mm -hmm. And another thing also belongs to Germany, which is uh, the Christkind. So uh, there's the German culture of, of uh, um, um, a child uh, that is supposed to bring uh, uh, other presents and, and um, 
brings blessing uh, to the family on uh, um, Christmas Eve, which is uh, celebrated in Germany on the 24th, not uh, on the 25th mm -hmm. in the morning. Um, so that's all. This is something uh, typical German, uh, the Christkind. And oh, yes. the Christmas markets in Germany, they also um, sometimes refer to Christkindl markets uh, to, uh, to highlight this uh, particular part of the culture. Nice, lovely, good. Okay, um, so we already um, are through with, with all our categories. Uh, so the only thing um, that's left for me to say is uh, to thank you all very much for um, sticking with us. Um, and um, if you'd like to know more about um, study and research in Germany, um, visit our website, daad-malaysia. Malaysia, my goodness, why, can't I, why <laughs> Again, can't I get, get it right? Actually, why don't we ask our viewers or our listeners, exactly. you know, how would you pronounce Malaysia? Exactly, exactly. Is it Malaysia or is it Malaysia? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's make a poll. That's a very good idea. So come to our website, DAAD minus Malaysia or Malaysia, I don't know. And where you can also find out um, uh, more about uh, the info sessions uh, that we regularly um, uh, organize uh, for, uh, for anyone who's interested uh, to find out more about study and research in Germany. And of course, you will also find um, useful information um, uh, about everything uh, linked to study and research in Germany, as well as uh, about uh, current events uh, going on, happening. Um, uh, anytime soon. Next week, uh, we will have then our second um, part of the topic, uh, why to study in Germany. And with this, uh, once again, thank you very much and uh, have a good day. Yeah, thank you to everybody and uh, you know, have a pleasant day and a pleasant weekend or whatever day it is you're listening to this podcast. Take care. Bye.